Hi, neighbors. We're going to read about neighboring in 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17. And I don't usually do this. I say I just say exactly what they tell me to say when I get up here. But Kurt said, you could read it in other versions. And so I took every version I had in the house, I think there were five, and read it. Do that sometime. It was really fun. Because you get a little different take on everything you read. But I'm reading out of the um, NIV version today. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope. For the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So, uh, neighboring. What could go wrong? recently had a conversation with someone who shared with me what it was like to be on the board of their condo association. And I sat there for what seemed like an hour in slack-jawed amazement. Wow. I had no idea. I could not believe what some residents try to get away with. And what they might do to counterattack those who are the messengers of the requirements of that association. Now, the person who I was talking with doesn't attend our church. But I found myself thinking, how would this person respond to this series of the art of neighboring? I can guarantee you they know the names of their nine nearest neighbors. But at least a third of them right now are targeting them with some type of nastiness. Only because they're the messenger of these agreed-upon community contracts. Can anyone relate to that? Now, the doors we have on stage here are all mostly in good repair. This one has shown it needs a a touch-up. There's some... There's some broken glass here, and so that one kind of stands out as we look at it. Um, As you know, as you look around, some of us look at our neighborhood, and we find all kinds of beautiful doors and figuratively beautiful homes and people, and they're all living in harmony. And, And so it's a blessing. It's an invitation. Yes, I want part of that good stuff, and we head out into our neighboring. But Just as people can be kind and generous and helpful, they can also be mean and stingy and dismissive. And sometimes, while most of us in the church, I would think, are usually the former, spend plenty of time being the latter as well. Sometimes, because we're human, we're the difficult neighbor to our neighbors. 
Now, for some of us, reaching out to those who live nearby puts us on a collision course with notorious neighbors that we'd gladly detour around. Maybe it's that house that hasn't been kept up. Maybe it's that house whose residents keep everyone else up at all hours of the night. And maybe cars come and go in the dark. And you wonder if what you know is true in society has actually entered your neighborhood. And I haven't even mentioned this. History. History with neighbors. You know, in some ways, the best time to engage the art of neighboring, seriously, is when you first move in. Because you're brand new, there's a natural sense of of getting to know the other people in your neighborhood. If you've lived in the same place long enough, you may actually have history with people. Maybe there was a conversation that went way wrong. Maybe there was a request that you made that was dismissed. Or maybe there was a disagreement that has gone unresolved. And so you may have fear. How can we get beyond fear when we neighbor? I think the first thing to consider is the truth that not all fears are unfounded. In Scripture, uh, one of the the repeated uh, exhortations or encouragements that God gives to us is to not be afraid. You can take that in two different ways, right? You can say, don't believe there's anything to be afraid of, or you can say, there, you can interpret that as, there's a lot to be afraid of, but in that, that encounter with whatever that threat is, there's something that God's trying to tell you to not give in to that fear or be ruled by that fear. So that's why I talk about getting beyond fear. Um, I'm not one to tell people that if you're afraid of something, just don't be. Just don't be afraid. It reminds me of a, of a story that I heard a few years ago of a woman who moved to the Philippines and had never lived in a tropical environment. And it was in a very rural area. And uh, she was emailing back and forth to her family the first night that she was there. She was really scared. And she sent an email to her family saying, I am really scared. There are all kinds of these little creatures all around the house, and they're not little tiny spiders. They're all these other little creepy and crawly things from the jungle. And she said, the one that is really hard to live with is there is a lizard in my room, in my bedroom. And her family members wrote back and made an assumption, as we sometimes do, that there was nothing really to be afraid of. And so they said, hey, you know, that's just... That's just the, the kind of climate, basically, that you're in. You're in that ecosystem where you, you can't keep those little things out. Um, the, the houses aren't even built that way. You know, little, little uh, uh, insects and bugs get in, and you kind of have to make your peace with them. And I'm sure, just know that we're here for you and, and, and try to get some sleep. And so, so this woman was, uh, tried to get to sleep, but had to be honest with them the next day when she sent the email said, I couldn't get any sleep at all. It was this lizard. And so uh, she, along with the message about the lizard that she couldn't get quite past in order to go to sleep, um, uh, she sent a photograph of a two-foot-long lizard. 
that was on the wall of her bedroom. Now, the point of that story is that there were major assumptions being made. And uh, assumptions by this family about what kind of lizard they were talking about. They were thinking of like a little gecko or something like that. You know, we've been in, a lot of us can nod that we've been in places where, where we've been in a house where, oh, isn't that cute? This was not one of those. This was a, like a fire-breathing dragon. And uh, so as we talk about fear of neighboring, we're not up here to tell you in a sense, what not to be afraid of. Because we don't know your story. We don't know what it is that this neighboring means to you. For some of you, it's clear sailing. For others, it could be very fear-producing. So I'm going to introduce a word that's going to help us in two different ways. And that word is right-sizing. Right-sizing. That's what was going wrong in the story, is that people didn't have the right size in mind of what the problem was. Uh, And so we're going to look at that. So the first thing that we can do to get beyond fear is to to right-size our neighboring to fit our personality and our situation. I mean, sometimes fear comes by, by thinking that we're being asked to do something that we're really not, and for making too big of a deal out of it. We have a phrase for that, making a mountain out of a molehill, which, by the way, something that unites, unites neighbors in my neighborhood are molehills. <laughs> That's our common enemy. But sometimes our fear comes from just our discomfort with something that's not right for us to be doing. You know, some of you recall that, that the whole David and Goliath story, the first episode of that is, is that David agreed to fight Goliath, and then Saul gave him his armor. It didn't fit David. David put the armor on, and David said, this isn't my armor. It doesn't fit. I can't use this. i got to do it my way, which is the way he knew, which was those five smooth stones and his sling that he knew from his days protecting the flock. Now, the lesson in that is not that David should have just soldiered through it with Saul's ill-fitting armor. It was that he had to to know who he was, and he had to know what was right for him. So, with both efforts and our personality, it needs to be right-sized, reasonable in a sense. There are some factors that you may want to consider. One is stage in life. Stage in life makes a big difference about how much leisure time you have. How much, like for some of you who have little kids, there may be neighbors that you aren't quite ready to expose them to for some reason or another. Um, there, are, uh, there are issues with health uh, that happened in our neighborhood just recently. We had kind of what, what Nick was saying, when someone in the neighborhood is is going through a very difficult health time. The neighborhood actually is neighboring with each other, but they don't have time for a program. (laughs) They just have time for everyone to gather together to serve the needs of that person who's suffering at the moment. Um, Now, on personality, a real simple rule of thumb, and this has to do with the, uh, with the, the map of your neighborhood. I believe that if you are an extrovert, now an extrovert gets energized by, by socializing with multiple people, 
groups, right? You feel really comfortable in groups. So if you are an extrovert by personality, look at that as a, hey, let's get everyone together. (laughs) Because you want to do that, right? That's how you're going to engage with your neighborhood. Get to know the names and engage all of them all at the same time. Now, if you're an introvert, you don't make relationships that way. God didn't make you that way. You're not deciding that. God chose to make you a different way. How introvert, introverts do relate. Introverts relate to people one at a time. And so think of that map. Rather than be one big, gigantic task of socializing, think of it almost like a game board, right? Where you take your game piece and you go one step. Who lives there? I'm going to focus all my socializing attention on that relationship. And then once that's done, we'll see, right? There would be another person and then still another. And that's how that goes for those of us who are introverts. So that's a way of right-sizing the challenge to fit who you are and even your stage in life. Now, more could be said on that subject, but we continue to talk about the other part of right-sizing. And that is having a right-sized sense of, of God. A right-sized sense of God. Because there still may be yet fears, hesitancy for us as we step out uh, and meet our neighbors. There may be the basic fear of, of failure. Maybe there's a fear of rejection. Like we, we want to invite someone to something and they say no. Maybe we're afraid of that, of what what would happen if that happened. Maybe there's the fear of entanglement. Maybe you have a sense that there's a particular neighbor that if you go over there and say even, how can I pray for you, you might be overwhelmed with the response. What about the fear of misinterpretation? That that someone might sense that, ah, you're, you're probably selling something. And you mentioned your church. What's that all about? I'm not so much into that. Well, this puts us into the realm of life with God. Where we are facing fears. And it is not just our positive thinking that gets us beyond our fears. But our trust in a right-sized God who is with us. So many scripture verses say, do not be afraid. And the Bible is remarkably clear and consistent. There is no need to remain a captive to fear or to be paralyzed by fear. Why? Because we are not alone. You and I are not alone in any aspect of life, even neighboring. Our loving God is with us. A while ago, I rediscovered this verse. It was actually in a Ziploc bag full of encouragement verses that a member of this church had put together, see a smile and a nod, had put together to share with people in our church who were going through difficult times. And actually thumbing through those, those uh, verses on those pieces of paper, 
one of those verses I knew of, but it struck me in a very personal way, and ever since, probably been 15 years, this has been my go-to verse about fear. Isaiah 41.10, we started our worship service with it. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and uphold you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. These were words given by God through the prophet Isaiah to God's people when they were in exile. And during exile, yes, they had much technically to be afraid about. And yet God reminded them to right-size their sense of his presence and power. That his presence and power is greater than our fears. Presence. God is with you. With you in the thinking and praying. With you in the step out of your door, on your way to a neighbor's door to knock on it. They're with you on your way back, either relieved and excited and praising, or like happened to Crystal and I not long ago, we had a, a loaf of, of banana bread that we left. We had to leave it on the doorstep. And so we wondered, well, are our neighbors going to get this, or is a local animal going to get this? <laughs> but either way, No matter what happens as a result, God will be there before, during, after. Our loving God is with you. Do not fear, for I am with you. And then there's power. So we mentioned presence, but don't forget the power. That God is not just present, but God is a powerful God who is present with power. A powerful God strengthens you and upholds you. So we might be afraid that maybe we might run into some things that maybe we can't handle. And we might be right. But God can. And with God, we can. And that's the lesson that comes from Isaiah 41.10. And a fringe benefit to fear, and this is throughout Scripture, a fringe benefit to feelings of fear in the life of faith is that it helps us go to God sooner. To go to God sooner. You know, this whole exercise could turn into, a, a, like I mentioned, the extrovert-introvert thing. It could just be, hey, let's celebrate the extroverts among us, right? It's social time, and yahoo, and it's all great. And that's not what this is about, right? This is about expressing the love of God through who God has called us to be. And we're different people. And we all have different kinds of fears, But God's presence and power is sufficient. Now, 1 Peter 3 that we read today, especially verses 13 through 15, uh, actually asks the question. uh, It it kind of follows up our our sermon uh, opener there, which is neighboring. What could go wrong? Peter is writing to a a group of Christians who are actually in kind of hostile territory. Uh, There's a lot in 1 Peter about being persecuted by others. And so these are not unfounded fears that that we're talking about here. There there was risk uh, to those Christians. Uh, but, But Peter starts out by saying this. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? So the first thing here is that is it is that Peter helps us consider motive. What motives are behind this? Is it truly for the well-being 
of our neighbors? Is it truly just as a service to God? Or are we doing this to be popular with others? Are we doing this so that maybe it's a competition and we might have a a story to tell where people might think well of us? I'm not saying that that's all out of bounds. A lot of that is just natural. But I think Peter would have us consider, look at the goodness of your motives. And maybe some of the ways that we're afraid or experiencing fear, maybe God wants to have us take a second thought about what is the internal motivation in our work. But then, even though I think the text kind of underscores that most people will respect the good that you do, and we appreciate that about humanity. But even if you should suffer for doing what is right, there's a dose of reality. Even if you should suffer for doing what is right. What I can't give us is a, is a guarantee that your neighboring will, will leave you feeling good, in a sense. It might bring up something a little uncomfortable. It's not likely. But just like Peter is saying here, he says, but even if you should suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. You are blessed because you're doing something that is right. You're reaching out in love. You're reaching out with God's love. And this text says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord and be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Be gentle and respectful. And this is made possible by an internal appreciation of Christ's presence. Remember Christ is your Lord. It's another reminder of Christ's powerful presence. And then if someone asks why, you actually have something to say real time. I'm trusting in God in doing this. So neighboring, what could go wrong? As we right-size our efforts and our faith, we get beyond fear when we remember that God is bigger than anything we might be afraid of. Amen.